Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. Mitchell Levy is the global credibility expert, and I'll say that again, the global credibility expert, whose customer point of pain is humans that want to be seen as credible. As we transition from the industrial age to the global village, the rules of the game of business and life change. Today and into the future, credibility is one of the key components of success. Mitchell helps to define how credibility is changing and how to achieve it. What gives Mitchell the credibility to do this? Interviewing 500 thought leaders on credibility, resulting in the creation of a credibility search engine and his book, Credibility Nation, for professionals who want to be seen as credible. He's been a thought leadership evangelist for 25 years and has done a TEDx commencement speaking. He's a former chairman of the board of a NASDAQ listed company. He has international best-selling author of over 60 books, and he has created 20 businesses in Silicon Valley using four publishing companies that have published over 850 books. A lot of credibility in that bio, Mitchell. Thank you so much for joining us today. <laughs> Ed, thanks for having me. It's good to it's good to be with you. Fantastic. So I did a uh, moderate effort of attempting to introduce you. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you really do in the marketplace today to uh, connect with it. Oh, you you did a great job. Um, so the when you're looking at me uh, from the outside, or if you know me in the past, there are two two ways to think about. It's what I'm doing to fund Credibility Nation, and so we are a done for you book publishing company. So for those people who want books, busy, successful professionals who want a book for credibility, but don't have the time. Four months from the time we start, we've ghostwritten, published, distributed, and made you an Amazon bestselling author and you spend 10 hours. So that's one of the services we provide. Another one is having finished 500 interviews. Actually, it's now 570. We have a product and that product is to get, by the way, it's a new name, first time saying it out loud, Cred Clarity. And once you have cred clarity, you then get to shoot a cred reel. And cred clarity is the opportunity for you to present yourself in one to three seconds where people understand who you are and who you serve. And the cred reel is 
within five minutes answering five questions so that people get to know, like, and trust you. All right. So that's what I do to fund Credibility Nation. So we'll do a quick answer on Credibility Nation. If you look at the world today and you look at who's out there, there are more people that are dubious than are credible. Dubious is that fun word that I use that is something opposite of credible. And, you know, the people who are dubious are dubious not because they they want to be bad, not because, you know, they, they inherently are evil. People are dubious because that's what they were taught. And they were taught to do those things because it works. And just because something works doesn't mean it's something you should do. And so there is now an updated definition of the word credibility. It is the quality in which people know, like, and trust you. And Credibility Nation is the place you want to go to. When you want to surround yourself with the right people, you want to be engaged in helping not just yourself, but in other people, helping them act credibly versus dubiously. Fantastic. And I think one of the phrases I've heard you use is this model called a customer point of pain, which I mentioned in the opening. Yours is humans that want to be seen as credible. You know, what is a point of pain? What is a customer point of pain? You know, it it it's uh it's a term that that I defined as part of the interviews. It's it's actually the first question I ask of the five questions. And and first let's step back and just say the I'll give you a quick definition of it, but let me step back and say 98% of those people I interviewed could not articulate their CPOP, their customer point of pain, without clarity. And why is that so important? Well, if in today's world we have less and less and less time, it's important for you to focus on who is it in the world that you serve and who is it in the world? What is it that you want to accomplish with those people you serve? And it and there's so many reasons you want to do that. So CPOP, customer point of pain, some people call it customer point of pleasure. Other people call it the the <laughs> the credibility proposition, right? What I'm going to say is, is within one to three seconds, within less than 10 words, what could you say that is so short, it's memorable? What could you say that once it's memorable, it's shareable? And if your prospect or somebody who's associated with your prospect hears your CPOP, the natural statement afterwards is tell me more. And so what could you say that you're memorable and you're shareable and people say, tell me more to me. If I say humans that want to be seen as credible, you're going to say, well, I'm credible. Or what does that mean? Or what do you mean? human?" It doesn't matter what they say. They're giving you permission to actually then go and say the next thing. When you talk about surrounding yourself with the right people as part of credibility nation, you know, I believe that, uh, one of the characteristics of the right person or the right people are folks who will be honest with me. And that takes bravery in order to be always honest with others in an effort to help them. So I'm just wondering, you know, what your perspective is as it relates to bravery as a quality of a right person, right? That if I have a Credibility Nation group, I'm hoping that these are people who, if I do something well, they'll share that feedback with me. If I don't do something well, or could have done something differently in order to be more effective, the likelihood of them sharing that feedback with me is equal. It's not diminished or impacted. And you know, I'm just wondering what some of your thoughts on that might be. It's a great question, and I, I absolutely love it. And so here's what I'm going to say. If you act credibly, if you live credibly, if you are credible, by definition, the way the world has defined what the word bravery is, it is, 
by definition, you're brave. So what is what is bravery? Bravery is doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do, even if it's against what other people say. It's if your boss says to go one way, but it is wrong. It's not what the company stands for. It's not where humanity stands for. It makes you feel uncomfortable. You being able to say, no, this doesn't feel right. By the way, it is both brave, the way we've defined brave. It is also credible because part of being credible, it's the quality in which you are known and liked and trusted. And in terms of being known, it's your desire, your demonstrated desire to be a servant leader, your intent and commitment to do the right thing, your integrity. And so if if it means that we have to call ourselves brave to be credible, great. What I'm going to say is be credible. And by definition, people will think you're brave. Well, I love that one of the words you would use is trusted, because I believe as a leader in an organization, if I expect people to be brave and give me feedback that might be constructive or they think might sting a little bit in respect to the conversation, I have to ensure that they trust me, that I create a platform or a place where they know that they can come and share critical or constructive feedback with me. And I'm not going to bite their heads off or get mad or, you know, my face isn't going to get red, but they trust me in respect to uh, my reaction and how I'm going to anticipate that. So I think that type of leader who's known, uh, you know, liked, I think is a relative term. Uh, You know, I think back to teachers I had at high school, uh, there were some I didn't like, but I still do some of the things that I learned from them, right? So one of those teachers was a typing teacher. You know, it was one of those classes we took because there were no other classes to take. I still type fantastically today. So I don't know why, but she was not the most lovable person (laughs) that uh, ever taught a typing class. And of course, this is back in the 70s when we actually had typewriters, right? So, you know, I'm wondering, you know, this word trust, right, which is so important to a bravery conversation, you know, what some additional thoughts or observations you might have on that word? So there are four components that are associated with with the word trust. So the first thing I want to say, if the way managers have been taught to manage inside the workplace is a direct outcome of the industrial age and the industrial age hierarchical society of, I have a title that I'm, I'm a boss and that means you work for me. And, and you've got to, if you want to live in today's world in a much more pleasant, a much more credible, a much more uh, productive way, where you, where you come into work and you love what you do and your people come to work and they love what they do, you got to forget what you've learned and been taught as part of the industrial age. So let's look at the word trustworthy. There are four components that that come under uh, that pillar of credibility. It is being vulnerable, having integrity, having authenticity, and being coachable. So here's the most interesting thing in the world. If you hire people, you should be hiring people who are better at you at things that that you're not doing. And by the way, if you've hired people who are better at you at things that you're not doing, guess what? They know more. Guess what that means? They're going to teach you. And if you have that desire, that opportunity to be coachable by people who work for you and work for them, that's part of being trustworthy. Or if you do something wrong, if your people have permission to actually say, you know what, boss? this is not the way I would do it. And here's why. And if you are accepting of that coachable, 
and you are vulnerable at being able to say, you know what? I think I was wrong. I think I think we need to do it your way. I'm so glad you taught me to do that. You you showed me to do that. Where you're owning up to your integrity, your authenticity, you're being trustworthy. You don't, you can't, in the past, what we've been taught is you have a title and therefore you have to trust the person who's a boss because that's their title. And that's not the way it works. You need to earn trust by your actions, by continually demonstrating vulnerability, integrity, authenticity, and coachability. Well, I love that thought about the industrial age because it did create in people's mind, and some of these people are still out there, that the higher you got in an organization, the more you knew. So the president of an organization, of course, knew everyone and knows everything. And in reality, we know that's not the case, that they know only as much as everyone else and don't you know don't know everybody out there and of course they always say it's lonely at the top because those people don't have a lot of people they can go to to say hey i'm having a really tough day or hey i think i made a decision that might not be the best decision and so you know knowing that they can find uh you know as the world converts away from the industrial age into a more uh relationship and collaborative based uh experiences hopefully there are more and more people that they can talk to and get feedback from, and I love the word that you use, permission, to tell them things that they could be doing a little bit differently or that we could be thinking about a little bit differently to be a little bit more effective. Hey, Ed, can I can I add something? Because you just gave me a significant aha moment. Sure, go for it. I, I've run four different uh, CEO networking groups for a decade, and I sat on the board of a public firm, and and I do understand the expression, it's lonely at the top. And I'm going to say something that at first time out of my mouth, so I don't know if it's going to sound as good as, as it sounded in my head. Um, those CEOs, those bosses that are lonely at the top, it, they're lonely because they're not acting in a trustworthy way, right? Because it is not lonely at the top if, if, you're, if you're credible. It's not lonely at the top if you want to serve those people who work for you that work with you if if you're vulnerable and and you're coachable and your team is together solving whatever it is that you do as a business it is by definition not lonely because you have a team and you're working if if you think your job is to be the boss and command you know that command and control structure yeah it's lonely but if you're if you're acting in the way that we need to act in in the the, the way the world's moving and you're being credible, it's no longer lonely. Yeah, I think it came out of your mouth as good as it bounced around in your head. So I, I think the lesson there for folks is that if you are feeling lonely at the top, you need to do something about it, right? And you need to take steps to create an internal board of directors or relationships with folks who can be candid with you about things you could be doing differently to be more effective. Mitchell, I'm interested if you have a story uh, uh, you know, in respect to the travels you have made throughout your career, if you have a bravery story that you'd like to share with our listeners about uh, your own experiences with bravery in the workplace. I have to tell you, I, I really was taught my first business male mentor. Um, he was hedonistic, narcissistic. He taught me so many ways to be dubious. And, and I, it turns out it took me 36 years of my life to shed the, the various lessons he taught me. 
And and one of them, when I was in the workplace, so for 13 years when I was working for corporate, I never answered a question people asked me in terms of what I really thought. Even though I thought I had integrity, I answered the question the way I thought my boss would want me to say it. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I actually wasn't able to shed that when I was actually working for corporate. So when I started my own company and the first client who said to me, he's telling me all the stuff that's going on and, and where he's going. And first we started with, with, with who he stands for, what the company does and where it goes and, and show me the updated website and said, what do you think? And it was the first time in my life I actually shared what I actually thought. And what I said was, I think it sucks. And here's why. And, you know, because I had spent 13 years sort of being protective of not saying what I really thought, but saying what I thought my boss would want me to say, I, I didn't actually do this, but I, in my mind, I, I crossed my arms and I stepped back waiting for the explosion on the other end for the person to go, oh my God, I can't believe you said that, right? And instead, he leaned in and he says, no one talks to me like that. Thank you so much. Tell me more. And it was that reinforcement of, you could say it's being brave, but it's being, it's, it's being brave. It's being credible. It's, it's showing the integrity of who you are and what you do. And, and I, I, I think if you're hearing this, and you've held your tongue back in scenarios that the that where the company is going, and you knew you knew it needed to go somewhere else, and you've held your tongue. Uh, just say tisk tisk, and I won't do that next time. I would tell you that the vast majority of the people listening to this podcast have held their tongue. Uh, this is one of the challenges we face in respect to bravery in the workplace is that I'm at a meeting and something is said, and I don't agree with it, or I don't understand it. And I don't have the bravery to say, hey, can you repeat that again? It's the first time I've heard it. I really want to process it right. I don't know what to say or how to say it. And, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of tis tisking going on because, uh, you know, a lot of people don't say what they need to say politely and respectfully, right? We're not talking about being disruptive. You can also do it after the meeting. So if you want to kind of practice this a little bit, you don't have to do it at the meeting, but you can go up to the person afterwards and say, hey, you know, I didn't want to say something at the meeting because I didn't want to uh, take over the agenda, et cetera. But can I give you some more critical feedback on you know what you shared with us today? Because I think I can help, you know, whatever it might be. But, you know, I think that's what you're sharing. And I like how it goes back to that story that you just told goes back to one of our earlier observations that the boss you were speaking to or whomever you gave that feedback to created the environment that made it okay, right? He didn't rip your head off or tell you to get out or fire you. He leaned in and said, thank you. You know, I'm, I'm so shocked to be hearing from somebody, you know, what they really think versus what they think I want to think. And I would imagine, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I would imagine that created for you the inspiration to be that way more. Oh, absolutely. It, it was, uh, it, I, it was, it was extremely upliving. It's, it's like my first client. And I kind of said to myself, well, if the client fires me, what's the worst thing that happens? I get another one. Right. And, and just as a tip, what you could have in your background when you're talking with somebody, if, if you haven't spoken up before and you need to speak up, you could actually start the conversation by saying, 
we can agree to disagree and I will be happy to, to make this happen, assuming you feel that way. Would you mind if I give you my opinion of why I disagree? And, and then what you're doing is you're, you're couching it a little bit. You're, cause, you know, it's possible that they didn't give that boss didn't give you all the facts or didn't give you all the feelings or all the approaches. And at the end of the day, and here's what I'm going to say to you at the end of the day, if you know it's wrong, then you have a different decision to make. The decision is do you want to be that human that people step on and walk over and you do the wrong thing because your boss tells you to do that? Or is it time to take a stand and do something better? Is it time to take a stand and be that right person and and act with your heart to make sure you do the right thing? And in today's world, I believe it's time to take the stand. It's time to be credible. It's time to be brave. Well, I hope our comments today, Mitchell, have inspired people to be more credible. I think people now know why, why you are known as the global credibility expert. I hope they go on Amazon and buy your book, Credibility Nation. And if folks want to get in contact with you or learn more about what you do and how you do it, how can they do that? You know, go over to credibilitynation.com, join the community, be part of this movement where you're not only being yourself and learning what does it mean to be credible and show up that way, but each and every day you can bring one more person to, to join you, to be on the path, to learn how to be credible, to be credible, and to change the fabric of how we interact and communicate with each other. So that's credibilitynation.com. Fantastic. Well, Mitchell, thank you again for being on our podcast today. It was great speaking with you. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. It's, I, I, I so enjoy interacting with you each and every time, Ed. Thanks for doing what you're doing. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week. And we hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at bebraveatwork.com and our download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio everywhere online. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.